Okay, so today, as we've been doing, we continue our series. And this series is titled, Hearing the Call. Let me just get some water. My throat is calling to me to get some water. So, this is part four in our series. So, you can go back and listen to the previous episodes, the previous chapters. You'll get a very deep understanding, a very deep introduction, and many examples of what we mean by hearing the call and all the different things that this could mean for us. And today, in this chapter here, I wanted to talk about the call to change. You need to change. You need to change your life. You need to change what you're doing. You need to change how you think about things. You need to change in so many ways. You really need to change everything about who you are. You need to change at your very core. And for me personally, the moments in life that really make this call to change loud, to make the call to change loud and clear... (laughs) have been moments of crisis. They're the moments where you hit rock bottom. They're the moments where you realize that nothing you're doing is working to your advantage. You need to change your whole approach by an entire 180 degree turn. And there is something to find in crisis, even though I wouldn't say (laughs) we need any encouragement with crisis. There is something to, to learn and find, which is that it brings us to something that we couldn't have found otherwise. It brings forth a message that we couldn't have heard under other circumstances. And the real message of crisis is change. You need to change what you're doing. You need to let go of that habit, that reckless youth, that impulsive behavior. that self-destructive action. And in many ways, this call to change is quite broad. To sense it so broadly is really only brought about 
in an authentic way as to when we feel that we need to change all of what we are. We need to change our whole life because, of course, you can hear the call to change on specifics. It can be a detailed call. It can be a very local experience, a local lesson. In many ways, that's what these personal interactions are. These day-to-day actions are what these social situations are. They're calls to change in little ways. If only to change in the way that you see someone else's perspective more. And that is closely related to changing your mind, right? By changing your mind, you are seeing someone else's perspective. By seeing someone else's perspective, someone else's idea, someone else's story, you're changing your mind. There's no real way around that. There's no way of separating those two things. And it is exactly that you haven't changed your mind when you haven't seen someone else's perspective. And I don't mean debating on philosophical questions or ideas or things like that, which of course it does apply to. I mean more in just the relating Just listening to someone's story. Just hearing someone talk about their experiences. Because that's what people do. That's what people do. They just sit down and they talk about themselves. That's what we're here for. (laughs) That's what you're here for. That's what I'm here for. And so often we just... Let the words slip away. We let the words have no effect. And when there's someone that is close to you and they see this and they really care about you, well, they're going to tell you that you need to change. They're going to tell you forcefully. They're going to have that difficult conversation. They're going to they're gonna go into battle for you. There's a classic sort of line that happens between a man and a woman. Which is where the woman says, Oh, I've had enough of you. You're never going to change. I'm leaving you. And the man says, No, please, baby, take me back. I can change. Please, baby. Believe me. And there's a reason that that line is in there. There's a reason that comic book sketch of a man and a woman fighting exists and why it comes up again and again in movies and in stories and in our lives. It's because the exact back and forth of the relationship is change. I want you to change. I want you to change for the better. I want you to change for your own truth, your own self-knowledge. 
And I can't exactly tell you how to change. I can't exactly tell you the process or the reasoning. But I know I want you to change. And really, that's what a relationship is. It's growing with someone, right? To grow in a relationship is to change, to have the relationship change. And what does it mean to grow? Well, if you want to understand that, go and make a garden. Because growing is a kind of allowing. Right? It's not as though we would say, you need to change. And then the response to that would be, okay, well, how? It's almost like those words have a loaded energy behind them. Are you telling me I need to change my life? Do you want to be the person to tell me how to change? Do you want to be the person to tell me what to do with my life? Right? If I came at you with that, that would be a very kind of hostile energy. Those words are quite hostile. Do you want to be the boss of me? You're not the boss of me. Don't tell me what to do, right? This kind of energy. But that's not where the call of change has its correct uh, application or approach. The call to change really is the call to grow together, to connect deeply. And the woman says to the man, you need to change. And the man says, I can change, baby, please. What they're really saying is, you need to connect deeply with me. You need to show me the real you, the more authentic you. And the man is making the promise, yes, I can connect deeply with you. I can learn the lesson. I can let go of these more shallow sides of my life. And of course, whether the man actually can deliver on that promise, well, (laughs) that's the story of the drama, right? That's the story of how the relationship unfolds, the psychodrama, the soap opera, right? That's what a soap opera is. And of course, even practically, we can look at your life and say, well, you need to change. Because there are some things that are quite obvious, right? Your bad habits. The things that you get stuck in. The things that you do again and again that you don't need to do that are bringing you nothing. In many ways, the call to change all these little things about our life is the exact connection between the micro and the macro. Because the little things are obvious. It's the big picture that isn't quite so clear. And yet they're so related that you would say the opposite of that. You can very much find yourself in the position where you know you need to change. 
You know you need to stop doing so much of those bad habits. And yet you don't. And yet it's so hard. You need to not eat that piece of junk food. You need to not click on that extra video that is just going to ruin your attention span. You need to not smoke that cigarette. You need to not have that drink of alcohol. And that is a world of a difference from the biggest call to change, which is to change your life. This is the exact connection between micro and macro, because the most macro thing is to change what you are. And on a lower level than that is to change a behavior. And on a lower level than that, it's to change a specific habit. And on a lower level of that, it means to not do this one thing at this one time and then to not do it again and then to not do it again. It's sort of funny that we look at addiction by saying, oh, I'm never going to do this thing again. And yet really the process of coming out of addiction is to not do it again on a regular basis. It's not. It's to not do it again and to repeat that. I'm not going to do it again. And then the next craving comes along and you say, oh, I'm not going to do it again. And we could call this a kind of decision fatigue or a craving fatigue, which is that we have these cravings and this craving and this craving again and again and again. And then we cave in. We give in. We fail to change. And really you can ask, well, do people change? And we've talked about that before. We've talked about that in many different ways before. And all we really need to know for this conversation is that, yes, people do change. Because you would never have something called forth in you that couldn't be done. There's never a call that can't be answered. And that is fundamental to hearing the call in all its forms, on all its levels. But it's perhaps most apparent here in the call to change. And of course, for me to speaker these calls, to be for me to be a kind of intermediary for some sort of voice, this is really still only an intermediary component of the call. 
the way that you hear it is to notice how it resonates for you. And we can look at that right now. Like when I say to you, you need to change, how does that resonate with you? Can you distinguish between really hearing the resonance clearly and really hearing the message clearly and hearing it and putting it aside and saying, oh, no, I don't really need to change. Because I can say to you, you need to change and you can really have it resonate deeply. You can really feel it and you can really sense, oh, yes, I really do need to change. But that's not necessarily just that you've learnt the ability to hear the call. It is that just this particular call is prevalent for you right now. And of course, at least... At least hearing the call on some level (laughs) is a good thing, right? It is really a world apart from saying, well, no, I don't need to change. I know who I am. I am what I am. I'm just going to keep doing things the way that I have done. And we can look at that as well as a positive and negative thing, as a component within your consciousness to be aware of, as an attitude that you integrate into your self-knowledge. But generally speaking, this closedness to say, no, I don't need to change, you don't know what you're talking about, that is, well, that's a bad thing, that's a lack of open-mindedness. Because I'm not really actually telling you what to do. When I'm saying you need to change, I'm actually teaching you a resonance. I'm teaching you a response. I'm testing your ability to hear. That's really what learning to hear the sound of the call is. Now, of course, if we're talking in terms of sounds and voices and speech, we're somewhat talking metaphorically. But metaphorically speaking, how does someone learn to hear? How does a musician learn to hear music? Well, you sit them down and then one instrument plays and they listen to it. They say, okay, well, that's a violin. Then another instrument plays and... They listen to it and they say, okay, well, that's a French horn. And then another instrument plays and they listen to it. And eventually they go through the whole orchestra. And then the whole orchestra is there. And then they piece it together and they say, okay, the orchestra is playing this piece. And at first it was some of the violins. And then it was some of the French horns. And then it was the oboe, the bassoon. And of course, for some of those instruments, there's going to be more of a resonance than others, right? As a musician, you might go, oh, I love the sound of those violins. Or, 
Ah, I really love the sound of the brass, of the trumpets, the trombones, the French horns. But that preference, that deeper resonance, is not the same as the ability to hear the call in its authentic form. It's not exactly the same as hearing the true message on a deeper level. So that at least is a kind of metaphorical way of hearing the call and how it relates to the call to change. So I think that'll be enough for this episode. We will come back and look at some of these metaphors again later in the series as they are needed. But at least that's something to work with. So thanks very much. If you'd like to, you can click on into the next chapter, the next episode in the series, and I'll see you there. So thanks very much, and that's all I have to say for now.